affected by perhaps the thinking of those around them. Greek culture did not tend to believe in a resurrection. Greek culture tend to look upon the body, fingernails, skin, hair, muscles, tend to look upon the body as a source of evil. And so, why should this source of evil come back into uh, existence? Perhaps because of Greek culture, perhaps because of other influences, there are some people who had questions about the resurrection, and it seemed like their idea in particular was that a believer dies, goes to be with the Lord in spirit and soul, body is gone, uh, uh, it decays, it decomposes, and there is no resurrection for the believer. There is no resurrection for the believer. Now, first of all, Paul established in this chapter very clearly the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he said that the resurrection of the believer is connected to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is uh, the uh, first fruits. So where he has gone, the believer will go. Will go. Spurgeon, uh, who preached in England about 150 years ago, said, like it was said of the Lord Jesus, so one day it will be said of every one of his children, he is not here, for he is risen. The first roots. And also, since, enemy, uh, since death is an enemy, Every enemy must be destroyed. Every enemy must be defeated and subdued. And therefore, if eternally the body remains in death, the body of the believer, then where is the complete triumph of Christ over sin? If the body of the believer remains in death. So, Christ the first fruits, the believers will follow, and death must be uh, uh, defeated so that he will reign over all. Now, some objected, some had questions, some said, how does a resurrection take place? Perhaps we could think of some of their doubts, some of their questionings in the following way. Here is a physical body and exists, it exists, it lives, it moves in a physical place. The world to come is not a physical place in the same sense, in the same way. And so how will there be a body there, it appears from a certain point of view, according to a certain argument, it appears to be misplaced, inappropriate. How does a body belong in a realm which is not the same physical, material realm which we are accustomed to? Another thought might have been, how can a body rise when... 
bodies decay, decompose, and after a certain time, nothing is left of them. Nothing is left of them. I'm not an expert on such things, but I do believe it's true that sometimes nothing is left. Not to mention uh, people who have died at sea and people who have died in, uh, in accidents in various ways. And, and so if the body has decayed, decomposed, if the body is not there anymore, or even if it is there but it is in a disfigured uh, uh, situation, its body is going to rise and somehow the person is going to live with that body in that state. Now, there are, in these kinds of questions, there are a number of things that are not true. And uh, when there are questions like that, there are errors that a person should point out. At the same time, perhaps such questions present an opportunity for a person to present the truth and teach what is right, and uh, for people to start thinking along the right track, along the right lines, as opposed to along lines that are unreasonable, that are uh, uh, incorrect. Uh, look with me uh, at Matthew chapter 22. And uh, what I want to uh, look at here, uh, of course, is the Sadducees coming to the Lord Jesus with their own doubts concerning the resurrection, and some of the things that they said are not very different from what I just mentioned. Uh, Matthew 22, and beginning with verse 23, the same day, 22-23 of Matthew, came to him the Sadducees, who say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, the first when he had married the wife died, and having no issue left his wife unto his brother, likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh, and last of all the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection whose wife shall she be of the seven, for they all had her. Jesus, answering, uh, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. So, as we look at that passage in which the Sadducees came to the Lord Jesus, I think we see some things that relate to the questions, the doubtings of uh, the uh, Corinthians. One of the mistakes that people make is that they assume that when there is a resurrection, uh, things will continue in a way similar to the life that we have lived and experienced before uh, a death and obviously before uh, resurrection. So, the problem was that the Sadducees assumed that marriage relationships would continue, they would take the same form, uh, there would not be a change. It was this assumption that was causing the problem 
and not the idea of the resurrection uh, itself. Uh, uh, itself. When uh, uh, the resurrection comes, it will not be a resurrection of a body to a similar life, to a similar existence. We are not talking about Elijah raising the son of the widow of Zarephath. Nor are we talking of something like the Lord Jesus raising the daughter of Jairus or the son of the widow of Nain or Lazarus. These individuals were raised to life again, to a life similar to that which they uh, enjoyed previously. In essence, they had a continuation of their uh, physical uh, life until the time came when uh, they uh, died. The resurrection of the end times is not so. It is the raising to a state which is new and different and which the body has not experienced before. Now, Paul will say that in this world there are processes which involve transformation. The seed dies and then it rises as something else. This is one of the points that he is going to make in the passage that begins with verse uh, 35. Another point that he is going to make is that even in this world there are different types of bodies and there are different types of glories. And the Lord has the power to take a body and remake it in another form to transform it from one type to another type, from one existence to another existence, from one realm to another uh, realm. So, these ideas are the ideas that he is going to present, beginning with uh, verse 35 and for the next few verses thereafter, as an answer to the objectors. Notice that he doesn't dismiss the objectors completely. And I'd like to stop uh, at that point uh, just uh, a moment. Uh, the Bible mentions the objections of the objectors, at least several uh, of them. For instance, Asaph in Psalm 73 when he struggled with the idea of the prosperity of the wicked. Mazmur 73, Ashrar. Psalm 73 and verse 11. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? These evil people prospering, it seems, it seems surprising. It seems unreasonable. Maybe God... Maybe God does not know. Verily, I've cleansed my hands in vain and washed my hands in uh, uh, innocence. Uh, Psalm 73 and verse uh, 13. Uh, look at the book of Romans. Romans chapter 9 and uh, verse uh, 19. Romans chapter 9 and verse 19. 
Romans chapter 9 and verse 19 says, Thou wilt say then unto me, Why does he yet find fault? For who has resisted his will? This is an objection that can be raised against what Paul was speaking of. He mentions the objection and he goes on to deal with it. He goes on to answer it. He goes on to uh, discuss it. Uh, the Bible tells us of people coming to the Lord Jesus with uh, questions. The Bible tells us of the Pharisees coming and saying, Can a man put away, can a man divorce his wife for any cause? هل ممكن الإنسان أنه يطلق مرته لأي سبب? This is mentioned in Matthew uh, 19. They came to him and they said, By what authority do you do these things and who has given you this authority? Mark chapter 11 verses 27 and 28. Uh, they came to him and they said, uh, Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And around the same time, a lawyer asked him, which is the first, the greatest commandment of all? And with regard to these questions, the Lord Jesus answered. And he answered very well. In fact, it is the enemies who did not have an answer. When they asked him about authority, where his authority came from, who gave it to him. He said, I have a question for you. And if you answer, I will answer. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves and they say, if we say of heaven, he will say, then why did you not heed him? And if we say of men, then the people might stone us because they regard John as a prophet. And so we will say, we cannot tell. We do not know. They were the ones who didn't have an answer. He also asked them around that same time, uh, who is the Messiah? They said, the son of David. And he said, if he is the son of David, then how does David himself say, through inspiration, through the Holy Spirit, Psalm 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, قَالَ الرَّبُّ Rabbi." Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies uh, your footstool. Another time with regard to the Sabbath, he said, Which of you who has a donkey or an ox, and the donkey or the ox falls into a ditch on the Sabbath day, will he not immediately pull him out? And it says in Luke 14 and verse 6, they could not answer him again to these things. They could not answer him. Luke 21 and verse 15, I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Will not be able to gainsay will not be able to, here are other translations, withstand, contradict, refute, reply. 
I will give you a mouth and wisdom to which others will not be able to answer. Acts chapter 6 and verse 10 tells us of the Jews in the time of the early church, and specifically those who tried to discuss things with Stephen. Acts chapter 6 and verse 10 says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Listen, among men, different men. Different men. You have this attitude sometimes. I'm not saying it describes every person, but it does describe more than one person, more than one attitude, mindset, in different places. Don't think. We'll think for you. Don't ask questions. Just accept it. The Bible does much, much more than that in terms of including objections that are presented by objectors and in terms of presenting answers to their uh, objections. John the Baptist had a, a question. John the Baptist had some doubt concerning whether the Lord Jesus Christ was the one to come. And he shouldn't have had that doubt. After all, he was the forerunner. And God told him, the one upon whom the Holy Spirit comes when you're baptizing, he is the one. And yet, Matthew chapter 11, John sent two of his disciples when he was in prison to the Lord Jesus with the question, are you he that should come or should we wait for another? هل أنت المنتظر أو منتظر آخر? Matthew chapter 11. At which point the Lord Jesus said, Go and show John. Matthew 11. Uh, and verse 4. Go and show John the things which you hear and which you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. And when they departed, what did he say? He said, John, I am disappointed in him. He should not have doubted. This is not what he said. He turned to the multitude and he told them, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed? Shaken in the wind. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a man wearing uh, soft clothing? What did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a prophet? I say to you, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is said, I will send my messenger uh, before uh, my face. And verily I say unto you, that of those who were born of woman, there has not arisen a greater than John the Baptist. And so, there are objections, but the Bible tells us that 
We need to be ready always to give an answer. First Peter chapter 3 and verse uh, 15. To every man who asks the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, in fact, I could say that the spirit of the Bible, as I see it and understand it, is very much the opposite of very much the opposite of don't think, we'll think for you. Very much the opposite of don't ask, just accept it. The spirit of the Bible is a different uh, spirit. Uh, Samuel told the people when he stood before them and delivered his farewell address, he said, I want to reason with you of all the righteous acts of God. And uh, the Lord says in uh, Isaiah chapter 1, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Come, let us reason together. It says in uh, the book of Acts several times that Paul went into the synagogue and he reasoned with them out of the scriptures. He persuaded Jews and Greeks. Acts 24 and 25, he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Kallam, tahajaj bin-nisbi la al-bir wal-a'tidal wa al-daynuni al-qadimi. How will the dead uh, uh, rise? How can this happen? With what body will they come? After all, their body is uh, decayed. Questions can be asked. Questions can be asked. There are uh, replies. Uh, there are uh, replies. Uh, and the replies are, are given. But at the same time, at least in this passage, there is a certain rebuke. Uh, thou fool. Verse 36. Uh, not all objections are made out of an honest spirit. Sometimes... Objections are somewhat dishonest, somewhat unreasonable. Sometimes they arise out of a spirit which needs to be rebuked. And that seems to be the case here, seems to have been the case here. The answer is given, the passage which follows, but at the same time there is a, a rebuke that is directed towards this uh, thinking. This thinking is uh, foolish. Uh, now, this goes along the lines, uh, uh, goes along lines which we have seen before, namely one of the problems of the people of Corinth was thinking themselves to be especially wise. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 18 and 19. Let no man deceive himself. If any of you, if any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he takes the wise in their own craftiness. 1 Corinthians 4.10. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. 
we are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. 1 Corinthians 8.2 If any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet, as he ought to know. Uh, as he ought to know. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 15 I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. What I say. It is foolish to deny God. It is foolish to deny his power. The Bible says in the Old Testament, it says it twice in the book of Psalms, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Romans chapter 1 uh, tells us of the wickedness in this world. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So, a certain mindset, a certain attitude and spirit, a certain line of thinking uh, is not wise. And the rebuke is delivered. Uh, some may say, now some people say that Paul diplomatically avoided telling them, you are saying, and then apply the word fool to them. Some may say, and uh, this rebuke is directed towards that some, as if it is a third person who uh, is uh, involved. The Bible tells us, Walk as wise and not as fools. This is the Lord speaking to his children. The Bible tells us that he charges his angels with folly. It is indeed foolish uh, to discount, to neglect uh, the power of God. The power, the power of God. How can the dead uh, uh, rise uh, uh, again? And with what body will uh, they rise? As if God who created them to begin with is not able to raise again to life that which he himself gave life to to begin with. It is foolish to take, uh, to, to, it is foolish uh, to neglect the power of God. The Lord Jesus said, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Acts chapter 26 and verse 8. In his testimony before Festus and Agrippa, Paul said, Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Why should you think that it's impossible for God to raise uh, the dead? Philippians 3.21, 
says that he will change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue even all things to himself. Foolish man, you have the answer in your hand to the question which you are asking. You have the answer in your own experience. The answer already lies with you. Because that which you yourself saw is not made alive unless it dies. Unless uh, uh, it dies. This is the idea of verse 36. Verse 37, the basic idea is that what comes when a seed is sown, what comes is something different in appearance than the seed itself. From the seed comes something different in shape and form and structure. And verse 38 is that God is able to make this change. God gives it a body as it has pleased uh, him. Back to verse 36. What you sow does not come to life until it dies. So that in the natural world, in your experience, there is something similar to what is being discussed. It's not the first time that the Bible uh, speaks of these things. Um, look at a few passages. One in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Neither is he that planted anything, neither is he that watereth. Uh, Mark chapter 4, the small parable mentioned only in Mark, Mark chapter 4 and uh, verse 26, and he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, and then the wheat is brought forth, and the sickle uh, is put to it, because the harvest is come. Also look at John chapter 12, and verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Thou fool, 1 Corinthians 15:36. that which you sow is not made alive except it die. Now someone might say, oh, in those days they were not as knowledgeable as we are. Science has advanced, knowledge has advanced. They thought that the seed dying and coming to life was some kind of magic, now we know that information is coded into it. Genetic information is present in it. Paul never said it was magic. 
Paul never said it was some kind of superstition. He doesn't say it in verse 36. He doesn't say it in the verses which follow. The way that he describes the process is an accurate description. It is not an anti-scientific description. It does not contradict our modern scientific understanding of how this uh, works. The emphasis is that it is the working of God. And there will be a resurrection, there will be a coming to life as the seed is planted and it dies and then it lives again. And then it lives again. Now this is what he is presenting here, but a little bit afterwards he says that actually death is not necessary as far as this transformation is concerned because... Some will not die, yet they will be transformed. Verse 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last uh, trumpet. That which you sow is not made alive except to die. And, verse 37, That which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but a bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other uh, 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 seed. You sow a seed, let's say of wheat. You come back later and you find in that place a seed of wheat. Or two or three seeds of wheat. No, you find a stalk of wheat. You find something that is not identical all right, not uh, uh, identical. When you just look at a seed of wheat, how different is it superficially, superficially, than looking at a, a, a little pebble or a grain of sand? Uh, but the seed of wheat grows; something arises out of it, which is different than the seed itself. How do you get an apple tree? All right? You plant an apple seed. Little, little apple seed, like the ones that you munch when you're eating an apple. Some people swallow them, other people don't like to swallow them, so they dig them out with a knife or fork. All right? And this little apple seed turns into what? Turns into an apple tree. It doesn't turn into, you don't go the next day and find a bag of seeds in a nylon bag. All right? On the ground. You get a tree with roots and a trunk and branches and shoots and leaves and perhaps a certain time of the year, flowers blossoming on it and then after that, uh, apples. Now, when you look at the apple seed, you don't see on it like a picture of a tree that's drawn there or the apple seed is not like a mini tree, all right? And then you plant it and then it it, it grows up. up. Uh, uh, You know, there are these little toys that they have for children. What they have is something like, like the shape of a fish, a little fish. And then you put it in water, and what happens to it? The little fish, it, it becomes a big fish. But it's, it's a fish to begin with. All right? A seed is not a tree. Yet the seed gives rise to the tree, the tree being something different from uh, the seed. A dying body does not look like it will give rise to 
a new and different body. A dying body does not outwardly bear visible marks which speak of the prospect of a resurrection of a new and different body. But neither does the apple seed look like the apple tree. And verse 49 says, As we have borne the image of the earthy, so we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Of uh, the heavenly. Uh, verse 37, What you sow, you do not sow the body that will be, but you sow some little thing, uh, a bare grain, whether it is wheat or some other thing. Verse 38, the emphasis here is on uh, God. God gives it a body as it pleases him to every seed its own body. God is uh, the one who is working this transition from the dead body to the living and glorious resurrection body is because there is a God. Is because there is a uh, God. Uh, two things uh, mentioned uh, in particular of God. First it says God gives, and it says also that God wills. That God uh, wills, as it has pleased him. As it has pleased him. In the natural world, there are certain patterns that God instituted when he created that world. Go back with me to the very beginning, that is to Genesis and chapter 1 and verses 11 and 12. And God said, Genesis 1, 11, Let the earth bring forth vegetation, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation and herb yielding seed after its kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after its kind, and God saw that it was uh, good, that it was uh, uh, good. What do we see around us? We see grass bringing forth grass, and we see wheat bringing forth wheat, and we see an apple seed leading to an apple tree, not to a banana tree. Now we can say that these are the laws of nature, and in some sense that is true, but where there are laws, there is a lawgiver, one who has planned and who continues to uphold. God gives it uh, uh, a body. God is at work. In verse 36, this is alluded to, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not made alive. Is not made alive. It is made alive by who? By God. <laughs> Alright? That which you sowest is not made alive. Why does it live? It lives because of God's presence, power, and working. It does not live apart from uh, God. God is the one who gives. God is the one who uh, uh, gives. Uh, a few verses about God and his giving uh, in terms of life. Job 33 and verse 
4. Job 33 and verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. Psalm 104 and verses 27 and 28. Uh, Psalm 104 verses 27 and 28. These all wait upon thee, that thou mayest give them their food in due season, that which thou givest them, they gather, thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. A few more verses that which mention God's giving in the book of Acts. Uh, first of all, Acts chapter 14, and beginning with verse 15, Amel Arbatash Khamstash, and saying, Sirs, why do you, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, who made heaven and earth and the sea, and all the things that are in them, who in time, in times past allowed all nations to walk in their own ways, nevertheless, he left himself not without witness, in that he did good, and gave, and gave us, rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness, and uh, gladness. Look at Romans 11 and verse 35. Romans 11 and verse 35. The Bible says, Or who has first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Who has first given to God? Nobody. Because God is the one who uh, gives. Uh, uh, who uh, gives. Um, uh, I skipped over Acts 17, didn't I? I didn't mention it. Acts 17, let's go back. Acts 17, verses 24 and 25. Uh, God who made the world and all things in it, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needs anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things. Seeing that he gives to all. First uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. First Timothy 6.17 Timotheus Lourdes Ula Sittisabatash Charge them that are rich in this age, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And finally, regarding God's giving, James chapter 1 and uh, verse 5, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. God is uh, the one who uh, gives, and God is also the one uh, who uh, wills. Uh, the one who uh, wills. He gives and he uh, wills. Some verses uh, we could read about uh, God's will. We'll read them next time. But let me just mention something about the last phrase. And he gives to every seed its own body. 
uh, to every seed its own uh, its own body. All right. Of course, he is the one who makes, but he makes things. One thing here, one thing here, one thing here, one thing here. I remember this story I read a long time ago about a man some 150 years ago, perhaps, uh, in England, who made signs, signs for uh, restaurants and for pubs, a place where there was food and drinking. And he'd make a sign uh, for the place, and his specialty was to make what? was to make signs in the shape and form of a lion. Uh, of a lion. This place is called the Great Lion, and this place was called uh, something else lion, and something else lion, and so. And then one day someone came to him and he told him, and he told him, I want to open my own eating place, drinking as well, perhaps, and I want to call it the Blue Angel. So I want you to make me a sign, uh, shape of an angel. He said, are you sure you don't want to call it the blue lion? Because I'm used to making lions. He told him, no, I want to call it the blue angel. He said, okay, I'll make you a blue angel, but let me tell you from now, your blue angel is going to look like a blue lion. <laughs> uh, your blue angel is going to resemble a blue uh, lion. All right? Uh, God has not made one size uh, fits all. God has not made one size uh, uh, fits all, and they are all uh, exactly uh, uh, the same. Uh, God gives to it a body as it pleases him, and to every seed its own body. Uh, to every seed its own body. Remember that what he's going to mention in the verses that come up, the varieties of different kinds of things that are found in this world, upon this earth, and also variety of things in the sense of some things upon this earth and some things in the heavens, and all these things are different and all these things God has made. God has uh, 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 made. So, you know, the dead body is a dead body, and if God raises it, then it has to continue as a dead body because God doesn't know how to do anything else. What do you mean God doesn't know how to do anything else? God does all things. <laughs> God has done all things. So he's not limited to uh, uh, one kind of, uh, 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 of thing. Uh, of thing. You know, this thing, kind of thinking comes up. Let me just mention this last thing. People say something like, how could it be that God created light? And after that, it mentions that God created the sun and the moon and the stars. How could it be that light is created first? Well, in the natural world, what do we do? All right? Let's say we're talking about us. All right? We want the light, so we turn on a candle. Okay? We turn on a candle and light comes from the candle. But that's because we are not able to do what? To make light on its own. We have to come up with a source of light. But God doesn't have to come up with a source of light. God can make light. God can make light. And then afterwards he can make the sun. He can make the sun, moon, stars, and, uh, and so on. Uh, and so on. God is the one who gives according to how it pleases him, and to every seed 
its own body. To every seed, uh, it's uh, uh, its own body. So, I mean, you could think of the resurrection is what? Oh, everybody is going to, they're all going to look exactly the same. Why? Because God doesn't have the ability to make people different from each other in the resurrection. When Moses and Elijah appeared with the Lord Jesus Christ on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, they were not, you know, duplicates, twin brothers. They were somehow different, and also they were somehow identifiable. They realized that they were Moses and Elijah. They realized, the Bible doesn't tell us how they realized that they were Moses and Elijah, but it says that they recognized them as Moses and uh, Elijah, to every seed, its own, uh, its own body. There are answers. There are answers to the questions uh, which people uh, can, uh, can ask. Uh, can, uh, can ask. Uh, uh, remember uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus has the answers and his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and all that it tells us regarding things to come, regarding that time when the dead in Christ shall rise. If our hope is only in this world, we are of all men most miserable but now is Christ risen from the dead and is become the first fruits of them that sleep. He must reign, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death shall be swallowed up in victory. God is the one who gives. God is the one who wills. God is the one who is able we see his ability in the world around us. Answers to many of our questions are apparent if only we would look in the right way, if only we would look in the right direction. We thank you because if we lack wisdom, we can come to you. You give to all men generously, and you do not upbraid. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.